You are now listening to the Socks and Sandals podcast. Every time an independent, a truly independent source goes into the Portland Place Bureau, we find chaos. Just one of the people like just told to my managers who like had fired me, they were like, yeah, did you see Tevin's video was on Complex? And he was like, man, dog, they sick, man. Yada, yada. And I was just like, I was laughing because it was just like, you know, bro, like, you know, God, God always got a plan. In that moment, I thought, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to sit here in the middle of this aisle in Target and talk to her and break down what is going on and why she believes that these white Barbie dolls are more valuable or should come home with us over these brown and black Barbie dolls. The Egyptian creation story is a very sexual one. Mm -hmm. And it talks of the god creating himself through a sexual act with himself. So it's a masturbatory big bang like I never even hire coaches when I establish a program. I always hire mentors first. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Because a mentor gets the big picture. Coach might just get basketball. I want somebody that under X's and I want somebody that's about whole life. I'm not the only podcaster out there. You're not the only marketer out there. Like there's a lot of people doing the same things. But the things that's going to separate you and I from the rest of the people is that we become our best selves and we just don't quit. So what is the gospel? What is the pure, unadulterated yes, gospel? Yes, yes, and that is what I live by, because the moment this changes is the moment I'm leaving Christianity. Okay. The pure, unadulterated gospel, and I can say it in one sentence, but I'll elaborate. For sure. Is love God and do whatever the fuck you want. What up, what up? I want to welcome you all back to the Socks and Sandals podcast, where society, culture, history, and religion collide, and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. It's your guy, Emmanuel. I'm back in the kitchen, whipping it up. And as you can hear, those trains blaring in the background. Yeah, I'm back at the house, man. Um, but yeah, today I just want to let y'all know, just for timestamp's sake, Today is Tuesday the 21st that I'm recording this, January the 21st. Now, as we all know, Black History Month is upon us, coming up in February. Um, and as you all know, if you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know, we, I'm not going to wait until Black History Month to talk about Black History whatsoever. <laughs> so, um, it's it means... It doesn't mean much to me. I know it means a lot to others, and and I respect that. And so, and I respect it so much that I'm gonna get a jump on it. You know, let's let's not wait until February. Well, I'm not gonna wait until February to give you like some some packaged Black History Month goodness. You know what I mean? So, um, I am in the process of writing my keynote speech that I'll be doing for uh, Heritage High School in Vancouver on February the third, I believe, that Monday. And it's, it's going to be tough because um, it's eight to 10 minutes. And, you know, the first time I did it, it was like 10 to 15 minutes. So that was like, oh, man, but eight to 10 minutes, bro. I'm like, yo, that's not a lot of time to really give a, a message that I would like to give. Um, but it's a challenge and I'm up for the challenge. So we're going to make it happen regardless. So um, I got I'm working on that. Um, 
you know, like I said, in regards to Black History Month. Uh, but what I want to do today is share with you guys a story that I read about Rosa Parks. Uh, and it was a story that was basically written on Shondaland.com, uh, written by the author was Liz Dwyer, but it was she was written as told to her by Urania McCauley, who was the great niece, uh, the great niece of Rosa Parks. So before I get into that, before I get into that, I just want to say about Black History Month, man. Um, it's one of those things. It's a it's bittersweet. It means something to somebody out there. So, you know, I have to respect it. But just, you know, for y'all that don't know, let me give you just my take on Black History Month. Um, Black History Month is something that has been given to us. And um, we deserve everything. And we, we deserve more than just a month, of course. Uh, we deserve to be fully you know, taking into account when it comes to American history, period, there should be no separation as we know, but in the spirit of segregation, you know, we were given a month. So to me, it's, it's extremely antiquated that we still have black history month and we should just fully, I hate to say integrate, but you know, we should be fully taken into history just because it's necessary. And why why wouldn't we you know but like i said in the spirit of racism and the spirit of segregation we still have a black history month um so there are certain folks that will not take the time to accept any knowledge about black history uh outside of this month and so we have to make use of that time um while we can while people our ears and hearts are and minds are open you know, but also, of course, what my work, what I do here on the podcast and and just in my everyday life is that uh, black history is essential to black people. And so if if you're a non-black person, you know, I don't I don't hold you to any standard when it comes to knowing and, and appreciating black history. Like you can do what you want to do. But the, the thing that really hurts is what I see is that when it's black folks, when our people, I hold us to a higher standard because this is my people, it's my culture, you know what I mean? And so I feel like we should not restrict ourselves to simply February as a time that we observe and we put our history and our, you know, good, you know, just, just honoring our ancestors. We shouldn't do that. We shouldn't put our ancestors on a pedestal only in February and they go the rest of the year, just kind of ho-hum black excellence here and there. But it's not, it's never about the ancestors. It's just all about what's happening right now. What's popular, who made the most money X, Y, and Z, you know, all that type of stuff. Like that's cool. But you know, we have so much that we need to reinforce, reinforce and teach our, our children and just keep in our minds, keep fresh in our minds. So with that being said, Let's move forward and let's get into this article. All right, y'all. So this article is from Shondaland.com. I will post the link in the show notes so that you can read it in its entirety yourself. But I'm going to read pretty much most of it because um, it's just necessary information. And I really want to share this with y'all. So for those that don't like to read articles, you can listen to it. All right. So the title is. Rosa Parks was my aunt. It's time to set the record straight. 
Um, and under that, it says the quiet, tired seamstress caricature isn't her real story. So once again, this is a her, the story told by um, Urena McCauley, who was Rosa Parks' great niece. Um, now, this article came out February 4th, 2019. Unfortunately, the great niece of Rosa Parks has passed. Uh, she she passed. She was she was battling breast cancer. It was her second stint with breast cancer. And unfortunately, she succumbed to it in July of 2018 um, at the age of 42. So rest in power to her, of course, and rest in power to Rosa Parks. Um, but I mean, she worked, according to the you know Liz Dwyer, the person that that recorded her um, her interview and and just had a relationship with her. She worked tirelessly to spread the message of her aunt and to continue to do the work and the social justice work that her aunt was all about. Um, so man, it's, it's, it's a blessing that she didn't hold on to the information. She didn't hold on to any, anything that was inside of her and was just like, you know what? I don't really think I want to fight this fight. Like she really put in the work, did the uncomfortable work of speaking anywhere that she could speak. Um, and just letting the truth be known about her aunt and what needs to be going on in the black community. So uh, without further ado, let me get into the article. This is how you know her. She was the tired seamstress who refused to give up her seat, sparking the Montgomery bus boycott of 1955. Maybe you remember Rosa Parks as that quiet older woman being honored at an award show. Or maybe you remembered seeing pictures of her shaking a president's hand but at this year's golden globes when oprah winfrey talked about reese taylor a woman from alabama who was kidnapped and raped by six white men oprah also did some myth busting about my aunt with these words her story was reported to the naacp where a young worker by the name of rosa parks became the lead investigator on her case and together they sought justice I was excited when Oprah brought up Taylor's story because people need to know these things happen to black women. It's our history. But it was also emotional for me to hear Oprah's words because she gave people the chance to see that Rosa Parks, my Auntie Rosa, was not just a tired old lady who sat down on a bus one day. Each February 4th on my great aunt's birthday, I go to Woodlawn Cemetery in Detroit to pay my respects to her. But I also pay her my respects by refusing to let her legacy be turned into a caricature. I believe her story is more relevant than ever because she and people like her laid a foundation so that women today can be more vocal, can run for office, can demand equal rights and equal pay and say we don't have to be harassed. I regularly give presentations to organizations and schools about how tirelessly my aunt worked for justice and how she'd been heavily involved in civil rights work long before she refused to give up that seat. But real talk, I didn't realize who my aunt really was until I was 19 years old in 1995 and she took me to an NAACP event. People were screaming at her like she was Michael Jackson. Oh my God, you're Rosa Parks. Y'all like that? Y'all like that uh, alliteration that I just did? Does that sound genuine? Okay, let's keep going. I had never witnessed that. The whole time Auntie Rosa was sitting there like, oh, it's no big deal. She was very humble. 
I know it sounds crazy that <laughs> that the whole time I didn't understand, but you see, she was just my aunt in my life. She would come visit or I would go visit her. And she would ask me the same questions your aunt probably asked you. What do you want to eat? What you want to drink? I made some lemonade. You want some? How's school? I talked to your grandmother and she says she ain't heard from you. Does that, that sound like a good auntie voice? And Auntie Rosa, uh, I hope you're not turning over in your grave. I hope I'm doing you justice, all right, as I'm trying to do your voice. All right, continuing on. After that NAACP event, that's when I started asking her questions about what she witnessed, what she endured, and what life was like for black people back then. That led her to telling me a lot of stories. She told me that her life, she told me what her life was like growing up when she was a little girl in Alabama. One of the things that people don't understand about my aunt is that she was an activist her whole life and started questioning things at a young age. I think part of it was her upbringing with her grandfather, Sylvester Edwards. He would sit up at night with a shotgun in case the KKK might come and try and kill them. And he would talk to her about black resistance and the key figures in it. Crispus Attucks, Harriet Tubman, Marcus Garvey, just to name a few. That laid the foundation for my aunt to feel like, in quotations, this isn't right. I should be doing something and becoming an activist, end quote. Her whole life became dedicated to change. When she was 10, a white boy pushed Auntie Rosa and she pushed him back. Auntie Rosa's grandmother told her, in quotations, you need to be quiet. You need to stop being so vocal, end quote. She was told as black people, we're not allowed to do these things to whites. Her grandmother was concerned that she get hurt, that she could even get lynched. But Auntie Rosa told her grandmother, quotations, let them try to lynch me, end quote. She was that bold, even when she was young. Sometimes I struggle with social media because it seems there's always somebody belittling Auntie Rosa. I recently saw someone post that my aunt wasn't really black or people say that she was strategically placed on the bus in, um, in Montgomery because she was lighter skinned. It's amazing to me that they would think that, yes, our family ancestry is part African-American, part white and part Native American. Auntie Rosa considered herself black and was treated as black. We have a lot of work to do in this country regarding colorism, but whether you're light or dark, and it's still true to this day. You are black in America and you're going to be treated accordingly. Now I'm going to pause from the reading on my uh, racial identity series. That that is something that I, that I explored and it was. I didn't intend for it to turn out the way that it did, but it turned out just beautifully, just how the stories came about and the folks that wanted to speak. And so it was colorism from the light skin side, the light skin per perspective or the mixed perspective. Um, and so it's interesting because there is privilege with being lighter, you know, in the system of white supremacy. However, when you are considered black, you personally want to identify as black, but then you're not given the same credit as someone who is, has more um, African ancestry, or should I say just is darker skin. So, you know, as as her aunt or not her aunt, as 
um, Urania was saying when it comes to her aunt, you know, people are going hard on her, bashing her because she's light skinned when she was just living her life and being the activist that she was. All right. Getting back into the um, to the article. People also think that her not giving up her seat was all planned, a stage thing for the media. Maybe you've seen that famous picture of my aunt getting arrested and the man fingerprinting her. Well, that's not even from December 1st, 1955. It's from the second time she was arrested. Yes, she got arrested more than once. By the time that photograph was taken, word had gotten out across the country that Montgomery had started a bus boycott. So that's when the media showed up to take a picture. My aunt wasn't even paying attention that day when she got on the bus. She had been avoiding that driver's bus in particular for 12 years. He would stop at her stop and she wouldn't get on. That particular day, she wasn't paying attention because she was thinking of Emmett Till, who had been murdered that summer. She already paid her money when she realized it was that same driver. But then she figured she'd go ahead and sit down. She didn't stand up when the driver demanded that she stand up because she kept thinking of him being killed. Him as in Emmett Till. She was that angry. Keep in mind, it was legal for bus drivers back then to carry handguns. My aunt could have been shot and killed on that bus. Once word of mouth spread about what happened to my aunt, it helped people have a little bit more courage than before. You have to understand, my aunt was a person in the community. She was a known person in the community. She became the recording secretary for the NAACP almost 15 years before the before she refused to give up her seat on that bus. Everyone knew her based off her writing down stories like Reese Taylor's. Um, quote quotation from Reese Taylor's story. Oh, she was the lady who held my hand when my uncle got beat up. She got my kid involved in a youth program to read books. She was the one who came and tried to get me to register to vote, in quotations. They were shocked that something could happen to nice Mrs. Parks. Before then, many black people were like, quotations, oh, well, that person should have should not have got arrested. They should have gotten off that bus. End quote, I'm sorry. She wrote in her in one of her journals about her feelings of hurt after she got arrested. She worked in a department store where she was a seamstress for the next five weeks after that, and then they let her go. During that time, her black co-workers didn't speak to her. That whole five weeks. Let me let me rewind that. During that time, her black co-workers didn't speak to her that whole five weeks. She would say good morning and they wouldn't say anything. It was very disheartening. They looked at her like she was stirring up trouble for them. My aunt explained to me that it was because Jim Crow was telling them, quotations, this is the best life you're going to have and you can get killed if you resist, end quote. People also don't know that my aunt went through a lot of financial hardships after what happened. She had health issues and developed ulcers and couldn't afford the medication. She didn't get real stable work until 1957 when her brother, my grandfather, Macaulay, convinced her to move to Detroit. She sacrificed her privacy, her job, her marriage, her health. She never talked about that with people, though. She didn't want to burden people or make them feel sorry for her. 
it still breaks my heart to remember my aunt telling me how you run it. It still breaks my heart to remember my aunt telling me how many times it took for her for her to get registered to vote. Back then, they made black folks take a literacy test, knowing that many couldn't read or write. It was a trickle down effect of that lack of education for black people. But Auntie Rosa, she knew all the answers backwards and forwards. But year after year, they still denied her. And finally, it was a white woman in the office who said, just let her register to vote. My aunt had been persistent showing up, quotations. I'm here to take the test so I can get registered to vote, end quote. And then I think about how as soon as I turned 18, all I had to do was go sign a card. Yes, I'm glad Oprah spoke up about Reese Taylor and about my aunt. I know people might still try to belittle Auntie Rosa by saying, quotation, oh, she was just a little seamstress, end quote. But that quotation, little seamstress, end quote, is proof you can be anything out here and still make changes in your community. My aunt felt passionate about civil rights. It was a passion she felt in her soul. And we all have to tap into that, whether it's working with children or with the elderly or voting rights or women's rights working at a homeless shelter or a women's shelter or getting trained to volunteer on a suicide hotline on the weekends. We can all do a little thing and the ripple effect of it can go a long way. And that, that ends, um, that ends the article, man, man. Salute to your random Macaulay rest in peace. And I hope some of that resonated with y'all, man. I know it did. I know it did, actually. I know it did. It had to. Just hearing about the work that Rosa put in. Everything that she had been through from a child. I mean, just the insight. I haven't read a book on Rosa Parks, and that's that's something that's on my list. I need to read more about her life, but this here was good. It's a good glimpse, man. Just knowing who her grandfather was. Said he slept on the porch with a with a shotgun, with a rifle. Just in case the KKK came through, man. I mean, talk about that type of anxiety. Talk about living in survival. You know what I mean? Like we as a people, man. Just barely surviving out here. And we're supposed to be citizens, but we obviously have not been treated like that up until recently. And we still having problems. It's not even, it's not, it's not something that's fixed. Still ongoing, obviously. But man, it's not even that long ago. I mean, the thirties, the forties, you know? Just imagine, man, like you take a stand back then meant death immediately, even if it didn't matter what age, it did not matter what age, man. That's why her mom was just like, you know, you can't be you can't defend yourself. Like, and it's it's funny how we as black parents. It's, a, it's something that was said in post-traumatic slave syndrome by Dr. Joy DeGruy and how we as parents 
we kind of like apologize for our kids just doing basic activities like we'll apologize if they do something in public like touch something on a shelf or make some noise and it's all it all stems back to that Jim Crow slavery where it's like we get so-called out of line and that could be a death sentence for us even for our children so we still raise our kids in that way where any little thing precocious activity that they do just basic kid stuff man we go so hard on them but then you notice like little white parents and little white kids just letting their kids just tear up everything it's like man these these parents they don't they don't know how to take care of their children they they end up, they just running wild in a grocery store they just letting them play hide and seek in the in macy's all in, in between the shirt racks and the coat racks these man these parents they don't know what they doing and it's just like nah they just letting their kid be a kid and they don't have it in their in their biology in their dna to be so defensive of their kid in a, almost a deathly way like in a in a morbid way like yo if, if my kid gets out of line he might get killed like that's the way that we're reacting that's the way that we we have raised our kids or have been raising our kids hopefully that's being broken um with with us raising our consciousness but it still happens i know i've done it until i until i read it from dr joy like i know i did it when it you know when my son was younger and when my daughter is not the same i kind of easier on her just being a kid and just doing kid-like stuff um but yeah man it's just it's wild and then 1955 she takes the stand um she doesn't get an, another job for two years man And even to this day, we have fears of losing our job if we stand up, if we be our whole black self at work, if we, you know, if we speak our mind, if we just be who we who we want to be, who we really want to be, express ourselves the way that we really want to express ourselves. We're scared of that because we could potentially lose our job. And that is a reason why I push entrepreneurship so hard is because that just having that carrot dangled over you of your financial well-being being in the hands of someone who does you know who has historically mistreated you you know like that that's a prison that's a prison in and of itself of the mind it's a financial prison which leads to a prison of the mind because now you can't be yourself so that's why i push entrepreneurship independence so tough is because we have to be able to do for self to sustain ourselves because we can't even save ourselves if we have fear of speaking up for ourselves. You, hear, you remember the part where she said her co-workers wouldn't even talk to her because they, they feel like she was causing trouble and they might lose their job if they're seen associating with her. That's wild, man. We in this together, but it's like if you fear for your job, how much can you really speak up? How much can you really do? You're going to muzzle yourself. You're going to repress everything within within you. At least all the things that you really want to say as it comes as it pertains to your people and how they're being treated or even yourself and how you're being treated. And you know that you're being discriminated against. But. Once again, salute to Urena McCauley. 
Salute to the ancestor Rosa Parks. Salute to Shondaland.com for putting this out. And last but not least, salute to you for listening, man, for taking the time to educate yourself. Don't underestimate what you're doing right now. Do not underestimate that. What you're doing, you're you're above average. You're well above average right now. Most people right now are trying to find a way to escape their reality and escape by pure entertainment and not education. So what you're doing right now, you're you're building yourself up. You're investing. You're using your time wisely. You're redeeming the time. So salute to you. And at the end of the day, all the things that you hear on this podcast, I don't want you to be motivated. I don't want you to listen to this podcast for motivational purposes only, right? What I'm trying to point you to, what I'm trying to do, what I am doing myself, what you guys are doing, we're going past, we're going past motivation, all right? Motivation was a thing of the last decade. This 2020 and beyond, we're going past, we're going beyond motivation, We're going to activation. We're actually going to do. We're not just going to continue to absorb. We're not going to continue to learn and get fat on wisdom and knowledge, but we're going to activate. We're going to take all this information. Now we're going to start moving. We're going to start doing all the things that we set out to accomplish or all the things that we think that we know deep down in our hearts. This is what I should be doing. And motivation in and of itself is not a negative. It's a it's a spark, but it's not going to get the job done. And depending on you, depending on how you look at it and depending on how much you rely on it or consume it, motivation, it can actually it can turn into a bad thing. That's why I'm trying to go beyond it. It's not bad in and of itself, but the way that you use it, it can, it can be a bad thing. Because let's let's think about it. What is motivation? Motivation is the act of providing a reason to act in a certain way. Um, It's like an incentive. Having a strong reason to act or accomplish something. So that's that's motivation. Giving you a reason to act in a certain way. But let's also what what else is what else is motivation? Motivation is like tapping into your desire, your interests. Motivation is something that can provoke a certain type of behavior. It can persuade you. Motivation is persuasive. Motivation is also impulsive. That's the negative side of it. That's the negative side of motivation. It can make you impulsive if you rely on motivation, motivational speakers, motivational quotes. You see that all day on on Instagram, on Twitter, on wherever. So it makes you, if you rely on that, it leads you to be impulsive. So that's sudden, involuntary inclination prompting to action. Sudden, involuntary inclination. So that means you have no control. 
You just, oh yeah, I'm, I'm about to do this. Huh? Let's go. That's acting momentarily, not continuous. If you're acting on impulse, if your motivation pushes you to be impulsive and act on impulse, that means you're acting momentarily, not continuous. So if you if you if you rely on motivation, motivational quotes, motivational speakers, it gives you momentary action, but it's it's not continuous because you never have enough motivation because it'll never be enough, right? It makes you impulsive. If you're impulsive, that means you're spontaneous. It means you're intuitive, just doing the first thing that comes to mind. Impulsive action is hasty. Impulsive action can be careless. So what are you going to do with that? There's not much you can do with spontaneous, hasty, careless action. People acting out of unbridled desire usually don't make rational decisions. If we respond to motivation impulsively, carelessly, and hastily, we are operating at a low vib vibrational level. And for 2020, I'm talking vibes heavy, low vibes, high vibes. Motivational things, relying on motivation purely acting momentarily not continuous that's going to lower your vibration because it's impulsive it's careless that's why we got to move to activation activation is to cause functional action activation is invigorating right Activation fills you with energy, fills you with life to functionally act out your innermost desires. Activation is restorative. Our minds are clouded with inspirational quotes and inspirational speakers that make us feel good for 60 to 90 seconds. However, we need activation to take action on the things we temporarily get excited about, but quickly lose, but you know, we quickly lose that mental high doing what excites us. We can quickly lose the passion of living in freedom from our present vocational circumstance if we're just relying on someone to motivate us. Activation is systematic. And so a big part of what I'll be teaching uh, when I begin my when I launch my coaching business is what I call the universal brand of activation. Universal Y.O.U. Universal brand of activation, which is what I define as systematic constructive action. Once again, the universal brand of activation is systematic constructive action. So I'll be providing systems that give you constructive, actionable instruction to help you activate the universal wealth within you and bring your entrepreneurial aspirations to life. And this is all about and, and you have to be vibrating at a certain level to be able to activate. Because you can try to become rich 
you can have a great business idea, but if you're vibrating at a low level, if you don't believe, if you don't have the right mindset, you won't achieve the things that you set out to because your brain is acting as it's supposed to in the way that it's been been programmed. So if your programming is vibrating at a level of fear, desire, anger, and pride, I mean, desire, that'll, that'll give you that, you know, that, that motivation will give you that temporary, but you still are dwelling in fear, anger, and pride. And you can't achieve great things consistently when you're vibrating at that level. And so I'm trying to get get everyone to be raised up to courage, willingness, and acceptance. Where you can be intellectually honest. Because without that honesty, you're not going to be able to take constructive criticism. You're not going to be able to take you're not you're not going to be able to be patient <laughs> like you just got to be. Yo, this is not going to be overnight. Whatever you do, whatever you aspire to do, you're going to have to be patient. And you can't believe the lies that you've been fed, that you have to be successful in three to six months. You have to live an Instagram life. That's not. But if, if you're vibrating at a low level, all of that stuff will affect you greatly and it'll stop you from your journey and then once you unlock once you unlock that courage willingness and acceptance level then you can go to that next level of reason love joy and peace and love is is very attainable and once you unlock that love vibration once you just wade in in the love vibrations then you can have joy and peace. And that's the stuff that you just can't explain. You can only feel. It's hard to put it in words, you, but you but you feel it. And when you have that feeling, it's amazing. And you can accomplish everything. That's that's when the world is yours. <laughs> when you have that love and you can have that joy and that peace and that contentment. But still have that ambition. And just believe that everything that you put your mind to, you're going to accomplish because you know that you can accomplish it because it's all about you. It's not about anybody else when it comes to you doing what you want to do in life. Once you get to that level and realize that you're unstoppable, then wealth, that that universal wealth is just going to come to, it's just going to flow, flow in ways you didn't imagine. So with that being said, let's activate. All right, let's do the work. Let's do some uncomfortable work. Let's get out there and make things happen. And you know what? Let me let me go ahead and give you all the whole spiel. Let me let me leave you with this. All right. Let us not seek approval and validation from those who are not on a similar journey of independence. Let us not forget the initial pain points in our life that led us to seek solutions. Let us not place a high value on ease and comfort of everyday life. Let us not compare where we're at on our journey to where others are at in their journey. That does nothing for you. Always, never judge yourself. 
that's a double negative but look never judge yourself all right and let's not have an improper view of failure it's never a loss it's just a lesson unless you give up that's that's when you fail all right and most importantly be authentic lead with love own and control your economic affairs invest acquire skills and manifest constructively think speak and act in abundance do uncomfortable work surrender the outcome declutter stay true and never fold once again it's the socks and sandals podcast where society culture history and religion collide and we unapologetically discuss our worldviews. holla at y'all next week grace and peace share this with who you think needs to hear this please do that don't forget that i'll let y'all next week all right love y'all Thank you.